Well, hello and welcome to Bill's Facebook study. Starting a couple of minutes late. Sorry about that. I was uh, actually looking for something that I might ask you about that I couldn't find from Jeremiah 8. So you might want to be thinking about that. Uh, we have an old hymn that we used to sing that had a line in it called Harvest is Past or something like that. So if you remember it, then send me a little uh, Facebook comment on there so that uh, I can uh, remember that song. I can't remember it and it's going to take a while uh, to, uh, to find it. So I'm going the easy route and asking you to do that for me. So there you go. Uh, hope you're having a good week. It is, uh, here we are in August. Today is my brother's birthday. Uh, my brother Wayne Lewis is uh, age today and happy, happy birthday, Wayne. Love you so much. Appreciate you. Respect you. He is he has been a prince in my life, and I could never begin to tell you all the wonderful things uh, that are true in my life because of my brother Wayne and for my wonderful sister-in-law, Julie, uh, that they have been together all these years and have certainly been taking care of their little brother, Billy, all these years as well. Uh, so happy birthday, Wayne. Uh, we are in our daily Bible reading. We are in the session that is really uh, beginning the era of the ministry of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, one of the strongest preachers, one of the strongest prophets ever, uh, like Isaiah, preached during a very difficult time. But unlike Isaiah, uh, his messages went unheard. Isaiah had a lot of trouble and was even told from the beginning of his call in Isaiah chapter 6 that, hey, they're going to close up their ears and they're going to shield their eyes and they're not going to hear what you have to say or see what's coming. But some actually did repent, and Hezekiah and the southern kingdom of Judah were saved. But later on, in the time of King Josiah, and then in the decades that came after that, Jeremiah is preaching, and Josiah hears his message and responds, and we'll talk more about that on Thursday, uh, but a lot of others didn't. And ultimately, at the end of Jeremiah's ministry, the southern kingdom of Judah and the nation and the, the capital city of Jerusalem is destroyed, uh, the people are taken off into exile, the ones that weren't killed anyway by the Babylonians. And it's a very dark, dark time in Israel's history. But before we get to that point, uh, we're looking at the preaching of this uh, weeping prophet, as they call him. And it's because he shared bad news after bad news. And that's frustrating, you know, to not be able to share good news because people are not hearing uh, the bad news and responding. And Jeremiah says, look, God's tired of waiting. He's not going to wait anymore for your repentance. Um, he's going to destroy this city. And in chapter 6, 7, 8, and a little bit of chapter 9, and several other places in the book of Jeremiah, almost all of the book of Jeremiah, that's the message. The Babylonians are coming. God is not going to save you this time. Uh, even though you think hypocritically that you're okay, that you're safe, that there is peace, there isn't, and you're not. And that really is the bulk of the message of Jeremiah. And that gets tiring. And we're going to read that great passage in just a few minutes in Jeremiah 20, where Jeremiah says, that's it. I've had enough. I quit. He literally says that. So I'm uh, excited to get to that point. But let's look at a few things first. In Jeremiah chapter 6, I mean, it starts this whole section with some incredible words. He says, flee for safety, people of Benjamin, flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Uh, one of the prophets, of course, was from 
uh, Tekoa, and that's a, a great, great uh, reminder of how consistent these preachers are. Uh, sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth Hakarim, for disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. I will destroy daughter Zion, speaking of Jerusalem, so beautiful and delicate. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents around her, each tending his own portion. Prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading and the shadows of evening grow long. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. That's how chapter 6 starts. And it doesn't let up at all, as we saw from a few passages last week that we read from Jeremiah 6, a little bit later in the chapter. And we'll see again in chapter 7 and 8 and a little bit of chapter 9. Um, it's interesting how the, the people respond. And uh, one of the most famous uh, sermons, <laughs> passages of Scripture, especially for those who study Scripture and preaching and uh, prophets and all of that, is Jeremiah chapter 7. And I've preached on this uh, before, and it's not original with me, but the title of my sermon is Jeremiah's Sermon on, uh, at the, on the Temple. It is, it is Jeremiah speaking to the leaders of God's people at the temple of the Lord. And, um, and so I have, I have titled this sermon before Jeremiah's Sermon on the Church Building. And I think it is, uh, applies in a special way to us who are faithful church members, faithful church worship attenders. And that's a good thing. I've given my life to encourage people to do that. But if that's all there is to it, that's not enough. And that's all there was to the people that Jeremiah spoke out against, much like Amos and Hosea, Micah and Isaiah. Um, Jeremiah speaks out against that in glorious and powerful terms. We're going to read Jeremiah's sermon on the church building, starting in Jeremiah 7, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, the temple, and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. He's talking to people as they go to church. He's talking to people as they're coming to the temple. Verse 3, reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Verse 9, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? You remember that phrase, right? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made a dwelling for my name and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. 
While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, that original place of worship for the Jews, I will now do to the house that bears my name. The temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your ancestors, I will thrust you from my presence, just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people of Ephraim. Referencing a um, hundred plus years before Jeremiah lives, the threats that the Assyrians raised against the northern kingdom of Israel and how they took them away into captivity. Ephraim, many, way, many times, one of the northern tribes used for, uh, to represent all of the northern uh, uh, tribes, uh, the nation of Israel. And, and God says, hey, look, it's going to be the same for you. It's going to be the same for you. Why is that? Well, they were obviously um, acting hypocritically based on their trust and their external uh, worship. And in the fact that they were Jews, you know, Jeremiah says, you can't come here living a dishonest life, unjust, immoral, uh, idolatrous, worshiping things that were not God, um, taking advantage of others just because you could, whether they were the poor or the widows or the orphans or the uh, uh, immigrants. Um, God says, you can't do that way. And then come here and go to church and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. It would be as if I were saying, this is the church of Christ, the church of Christ, the church of Christ. I'm okay. I can live any way I want because I'm a member here. And that's what they were doing. And Jeremiah says, no way, it's not going to happen. I've been warning you, warning you, and warning you with my servants, the prophets, God says, and yet you would not repent from your heart. And so your time is over. Your time is over. Uh, the incredible questions that, that um, God asks through Jeremiah in verse 9, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods? You have not known and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. That's what they were doing. They were saying, hey, we're descendants of Abraham. We are safe. This is the temple that Solomon built. We are safe. We have a man on the throne who is in the direct line, a descendant of King David. We are safe. And Jeremiah asked, safe to do all these detestable, horrible, sinful things? I don't think so. And God sees and God knows and God is about to act. The times of warnings were running out. And Jeremiah was the one who had been given the chore uh, to remind them of all uh, of that. Uh, Jesus would remember uh, this question, has this house, which bears my name in verse 11, become a den of robbers to you? Remember Jesus when uh, he is casting out the, the people who were uh, uh, selling and taking advantage of others and doing very dishonest things in the name of the Lord uh, at the synagogue and the temple of his day. Jesus reminds them of these words and this question and perhaps trying to point them to all of Jeremiah's preaching in this uh, chapter. We skip down a little bit in Jeremiah 7 to verse 20. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, Jerusalem, the temple of Solomon. 
on man and beast, on the trees of the field and on the crops of your land, and it will burn and not be quenched. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, and it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. From the time your ancestors left Egypt, until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their ancestors. Verse 27, when you tell them all this, they will not listen to you, he tells Jeremiah. When you call to them, they will not answer. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It is vanquished, it is vanished from their lips. Cut off your hair and throw it away. Take up a lament on the barren heights, for the Lord has rejected and abandoned this generation that is under his wrath. And that was certainly the truth, and God was about to demonstrate that in very real, very amazing, very horrible ways at the hands of the ruthless pagan Babylonians. A nation, as Habakkuk will say, and we'll look at Habakkuk on Thursday, a nation less righteous than the more righteous Jews. And yet God used them to punish his own people. Um, all these things that Jeremiah says to the people of his day, worshiping in the house of the Lord of their day, could just as easily be said to us today. If we trust in the externals only, if we don't come to God with obedience in our heart, the way he calls us to live, and to obey. We sang that great old hymn Sunday, Trust and Obey. There's just, there's just no uh, substitute for that. Uh, you can go to church all your life and read the Bible every day, but if you're not trusting in the Lord and seeking to live obediently to Him, all the good things that we do um, don't measure up against that. And that's what Jeremiah accuses the people of. Oh, they were going to church still. You bet. You bet. They were offering up the sacrifices. And Jeremiah even sarcastically tells to them, hey, bring more. Go ahead. Keep doing it. It's not working because your heart is not in it. Your life of obedience is, cannot be seen. Whew. Powerful, powerful uh, sermon on the church building in Jeremiah chapter 7. Man, that'll preach, as we tend to say. And unfortunately, it's far too applicable for us today as well. Well, the next chapter doesn't let up much. In Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 8, we read these words. How can you say, Jeremiah 8, 8, We are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely. Whew, that's an accusation that we could understand today, as those of us who are religious leaders, those of us who have uh, done our part to try to preach the gospel, and yet have we done it honestly? Have we done it sincerely? Have we done it faithfully? Um, and we can't say we are wise. We have the word of the Lord. We have the law of the Lord. We have the Bible. Having it is not enough. It's reading it. It's embracing it. It's living it. Verse 9, the wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they have rejected the word of the Lord, 
What kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. Jeremiah 8, verse 12. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when they are punished, says the Lord. They have forgotten how to blush. They don't even know how to blush. They're not ashamed of their loathsome conduct. They take pride in it, in fact. And Jeremiah condemns him just as he would if he were standing before us today. Uh, we've forgotten how to blush. We're not embarrassed by some of the things that go on. We're not ashamed of the lack of obedience and trust in the word and will of God today. It's as if we think God doesn't see. He doesn't know. He doesn't get it. He's far away, so none of this matters to him. Well, that's just not true. Just as Jeremiah told them, the Lord sees and the Lord understands. And he is holding us accountable uh, for our actions. Just as we had seen in chapter 6, the false prophets and priests come along and they say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Why is there no peace? Because they are sinners and they have not repented. And they refuse to acknowledge uh, the Lord their God, and they refuse to live in obedience to his word and his will. And there's nothing that can be done when that's our desire. If we won't serve him completely sinlessly, of course not. But we can be faithful and we can be genuinely seeking to know his will and his word and genuinely seeking to obey it, even though it, it's not perfect. That's our desire. That's our goal. And we do that humbly and respectfully and, and with all the love in our hearts for our great God and his forgiveness. But we don't just cast that word aside because we want to live a different way. Um, Jeremiah condemns that. Again, in Jeremiah 8, skipping down a bit to verse 18. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is their king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? And then verse 20, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Jeremiah 8 verse 20 is a haunting, haunting verse. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Jeremiah is saying the harvest is over. Summer is gone. It's now winter, and God is ready to act. Your time of repentance is over. Your time to come back to him, to humble yourself before your Lord is gone. Um, that old hymn that has that line in it, harvest is past, uh, is taken from this very verse. The harvest is past. The summer has ended, and we are not saved. I pray, I pray that that will never be said of you or me. I pray that we will recognize the times and we will turn from our sins and we will look to the God of grace and love and mercy who is also the God of justice and vengeance and ask him to be merciful and commit to him that yes, we will read and follow your will. Yes, we will the best we can seek to trust and obey. Uh, one more passage in chapter nine 
Uh, well, let's read this last verse of chapter 8 first because it's another great song in our songbooks. Uh, well, I'll start at verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn, and horror grips me. Verse 22, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? God himself wonders, why is it? Is there no balm in Gilead? Jeremiah asked, is there, is there no healing ointment that you can find in, within the people of God? Can you not look to that word that can bring cleansing and healing and help and hope? And yet it's as if it's not there at all because they're not looking at it. The song that we love to sing years ago affirms there is a balm in Gilead. Uh, that heals the sin-sick soul. It was there. Jeremiah was pleading with them to find it and, and use it. Uh, that word of God that they could humble themselves before, but they would not. Chapter 9, we'll just read a couple of verses from chapter 9, and then I want us to move ahead a little bit before our time gets completely away from us, because I do want us to read that incredible passage of a frustrated prophet in Jeremiah chapter 20 today. But chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and all who live in the wilderness in distant places. For all these nations are really uncircumcised. And even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. Once again, another reminder that this heartfelt religion, this wholehearted devotion to God was not something new that came along in the New Testament that the Jews were never challenged with. They were challenged for it, and they were told to live according to it, and they were told to be circumcised, not just uh, a physical circumcision, but circumcision of the heart. And when God preaches these words through Jeremiah, they are cutting words indeed, because what he does is he lumps all of the people of God, all of the Jews in Judah and Israel, all of the descendants of Abraham, and he lumps them along with the pagan nations that they found detestable. And that was such a cutting, cutting thing. And yet God says, even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. Israel and Judah, you're no better than Edom or Moab or Egypt. Because your heart has not been given over to the Lord. Well, as the chapters go on, Jeremiah begins to suffer more and more. Uh, in chapter 18, uh, verse 18, uh, the people around him had had enough. In Jeremiah 18, verse 18, they said, Come, let's make plans against Jeremiah. For the teaching of the law by the priest will not cease, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophets. So come, let's attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything he says. Uh, basically, they're saying, hey, we're tired of all of his doom and gloom stuff. We're tired of all of his repent or perish stuff. We're, we're, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. The priests are going to continue to do their priestly duties. The prophets are going to continue to proclaim what they say as the message of the Lord, although they were false prophets. It's not going to happen. So let's just attack Jeremiah ourselves. Let's attack him with our words. But what we find in scripture is that they attack him uh, with much more than that. For example, in Jeremiah chapter 26, uh, verses 7 through 9, uh, we read this about how they treated Jeremiah. Jeremiah 26, verse 7. 
The priests, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah speak these words in the house of the Lord. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh, and this city will be desolate and deserted? And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. They wanted to punish him for telling the truth. They wanted to make him suffer for being a true prophet and preaching the true word of the Lord. We turn back to this great chapter in Jeremiah 20, the first couple of verses. When the priest, Pasher, son of Emer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Uh, the man in charge says, enough. You can't go around saying these things right here in the t at the temple of the Lord. And so he has him beaten and put in stocks and put in prison. We know that Jeremiah had a lot of bad things happen to him. He was dropped into an empty cistern, a big pit where they poured water. Uh, he was taken against his will to Egypt, ultimately, where he apparently died. Um, and uh, everything was like that for Jeremiah because the, the message, as we heard today, in his great sermon on the church building in chapter 7 and elsewhere was a hard message for them to hear. And when you hear hard messages, you can respond in one of two ways. You can try to kill the prophet and the messenger like they did in Jeremiah's day. Or you can hear the truth in those words. And you can humbly and respectfully consider that truth and, and repent from your heart and seek God's forgiveness. Unfortunately, the people of Judah wouldn't do that. And so the Babylonians finally came and laid siege to Jerusalem, uh, put ramparts against the walls and broke them and tore them down and destroyed Solomon's beautiful temple and carried off almost all of the Israelites uh, to Babylon, to captivity and exile. Jeremiah pleaded with them to repent so it wouldn't happen. But when they didn't, he said, time's up, time's up. And they didn't like it. And they made him suffer because of it. And so Jeremiah finally himself has had enough. And Jeremiah says in this great chapter, chapter 7, beginning at verse, uh, chapter 20 rather, beginning at verse 7, he says, that's it. I've had enough. I quit. What church leader, what preacher, what minister, what uh, parent, what um, elder, um, who has not felt the way Jeremiah felt? And... Um, and so here are his words, which at times are our words too. Jeremiah 20, verse 7, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Verse 10, I hear many whispering terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Verse 14, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. That's his birthday. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news and made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. Cursed be the one who came out of the labor and delivery room and told my dad, congratulations, it's a boy. That's what he's saying, much like what Job said in Job chapter 3. Verse 16, may that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity, 
May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb when my mother get, was with my mother as my grave, who her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? This is a prophet that has had enough. He's down. He's depressed. He's tired of doing what was right, sharing the word of the Lord. And people, instead of hearing it and being grateful and repenting, try to kill the messenger, try to destroy Jeremiah's credibility, speak out against him, and finally begin to punish him physically by beating him and putting him in prison and other things. Um, this is where Jeremiah is, but he doesn't stay there. And these words in Jeremiah 20, beginning at verse 9, tell us why. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. <laughs> Don't you love that? Jeremiah says, I've had enough, and I've decided I'm not going to speak any more in his name. But if I do that, he says, that word is in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am so tired of trying to hold it in. Indeed, I cannot. And so I must continue to speak the word of the Lord. That's what every faithful preacher has ever said. That's what every faithful preacher has ever felt. I mean, we've all felt the way Jeremiah feels here. We've all felt the way Elijah feels in uh, 1 Kings 19 when he's running from Jezebel and he's saying, uh, she's killed all the others. I'm the only one left and she's after me too. And Jeremiah says, that's it. I've had enough. If I say I quit, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, and I'm, I'm, I'm weary. I'm worn out trying to hold it in and, and not speak anymore. Indeed, I cannot. I must speak. And so Jeremiah praises the Lord in verse 11, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Jeremiah 20, verse 11. So my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. He calls on God to probe his heart in the heart of those who are accusing him and let justice reign forth. Uh, Jeremiah in this great passage announces his humanity. And he says, I'm, I, I'm just a man and I, and I have my limits and I've reached them. I've reached them and, and I quit. I quit if I, but, but I can't quit. If I say in my heart, I will not speak any more of his name. I will not share any more the message that he has placed in me. His word is in my heart like a burning fire. And I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Today, pray for your preacher. Pray for your ministers. Pray for your elders, your shepherds. Pray for those who are those wonderful, faithful Bible class teachers who go through so much frustration and without, a lot of times without any glory at all. Give them that appreciation and encouragement that they desperately need uh, because all of God's uh, leaders have felt the way Jeremiah feels here. Um, but those words are our words. The Lord is in my life and in my heart like a warrior. And he, my persecutors, my enemies, um, those who oppose the word and will of the Lord, they will not prevail. 
And so if I say, uh, I quit, if I say I will not speak any longer in his name and of the message he has given me, his word is in my heart like a burning fire. And I am tired of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. May God bless you in your walk with the Lord, and I'll see you Thursday.